So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I owe you an update on what's been going on here. So I went up and got some tests up in Dallas, and I just want to share my pain of the, the test I had to do. One of the tests I had to do. Thank you, Jim Tandy, for sending me up to this this vestibular neurologist, a specialist of all the inner stuff of your ear, your eyes, uh, your brain. Um, so one of the tests was this. They take uh, goggles, they put it on you, and then they blacken it out. And they lay you on the, on the little table there like you're this thing that's about ready to be dissected. Now my wife is sitting in a chair over here, and she says, this person is giving a test, okay, what I'm about to do, I'm, gonna, I'm going to pump hot air into your ear. And what's going to happen is, is you are going to experience what you've probably, you've been experiencing all year, vertigo, and it would happen to any healthy person. And so imagine laying on your back, your eyes completely, you can't see a thing, you're in space. You're lost in space. And then she sticks this hose in your ear and it's hot air. And before this, she prepared me. She said, I'm going to tell you when you're halfway done, and I'm going to tell and I need you to breathe through your nose and breathe through your mouth. I'm like, breathe through my nose, breathe through my mouth. I breathe. Okay, fine. And then <laughs> 10 seconds into this thing, imagine being lost in space and your world spinning and you can't do anything about it. And she goes, you're halfway there. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. But you know what? I was so familiar with it. It really wasn't that big a deal to me. It really wasn't. Uh, here's the deal. Um, the doctor taking everything into consideration, all that's happened, the massive virus that hit me, all that kind of stuff. He's like, dude, this is what I think it is. He didn't say dude because he wasn't that kind of a guy. But he said, Jeff, this is what I think it is. And I'm almost 100% sure, and since you just confirmed by your family history that you have this in your family, I think it's chronic vestibular migraines that are blowing up, your, blowing up inside of you for the past 365 days nonstop. And I went, okay, so let me get this straight. So, so I'm not cutting off any artery when I'm getting dizzy, and I have to find that position. I'm not... I'm not damaging my, my cranial nerves, or I'm not damaging my atlas joint, or I'm not damaging muscles in my neck. It's not some MMA injury I've suffered. It's none of that stuff. He's like, yeah, I don't think so. I think it's, that's what's happening. And so this is what I said, no joke. I said to him and I said to my wife, so this is just pain. And he goes, yes, it's just pain and vertigo. Okay. I drove home. And the familiar feelings start happening because I'm driving and all the stuff's whizzing by and I get slightly dizzy again and things get a little weird like when you're, you're parked and the car moves and I grab the steering wheel because I think I'm moving when I thought well, I was in park. That's happened, that happens all the time. It happened out there just now. Um, but I turned to Nancy and I said, Honey, this is just pain. And it was good news for me. So it's just pain. And it's amazing that just that has helped me tremendously. And so I've got this diet that basically takes out everything you like. <laughs> everything worth living for in the food world is gone. So I'm stopping that. 
And then I'm going to add it. The first thing I'm going to add back is adult beverages. The second thing I'm going to add back is coffee. But that's the way it goes. And you figure out what your trigger is. And, and I'm still doing my eye exercises to manage it. So I, I knew I owed you that. So there you have it. It's just pain. It's such good news, man. I can't tell you. So I can get back into MMA. I can start doing all the things I like to do. Okay. Well, I've been doing most of them, but not that one. I told you what Nancy said when I said I was going to do that. She says, are you stupid? <laughs> yes, sweetie. That's who you married. All right. Today, we start a new series. We start a new series called Nothing But Jesus. So why are we doing this new series called Nothing But Jesus? Why such a series? Matt, my dear friend, gave me, uh, he sent me an, a part of, it was mere Christianity, right? No, screw tape letters. And so now I'm, I'm all into C.S. Lewis. It's kind of funny how this has been happening. But all right, screw tape letters is one of the classics by C.S. Lewis written in 1942. It's dedicated, guess who, to his best friend, J.R. Tolkien. Isn't that fantastic? I, when I saw that at the, at the front of the book, I, I, I smiled. It was just so cool. All right, it's about a high-ranking demon named Screwtape and his nephew apprentice named Wormwood. Uh, Screwtape is advising Wormwood on how to sabotage Christians, how to sabotage the church. So just right now, just think about that. You know, what, what's the number one way to sabotage Christians? What's the number one way to sabotage you, to sabotage the church? What is it? What do you think it is? Is it some notorious sin? You know, a public scandal. Good night. I remember in the 80s and 90s, it was like almost every month there was a public scandal of some preacher, some pastor, some megachurch pastor. Or televangelist. Is that how he does it? Is it some spiritual struggle, like you struggle with doubt or you struggle with disappointment, depression? Is that how he does it? Is it some relational struggle, you know, relational tensions in the home and at church, at work, at school, between parents and children, spouses? Is it some church conflict, church division, church split, widespread gossip and slander? Is that what it is? Is it some, here's some other things I wrote down, is it false teaching? You know, the Bible's not the word of God. Jesus is not God. Uh, is it some mission confusion? The church exists to end lying. The church exists to end racism. What is it? Well, let's see what screw tape advises Wormwood, shall we? My dear Wormwood, Wormwood, he's so polite, this screw tape dude. He's just so polite. He's so nice. The real trouble about the set, in other words, when he means the set, the real trouble about the way in which your patient, the patient's the Christian, the real trouble about the way of your patient is living in that, is, is living is in that it is merely Christian. The trouble about your your, your patient is that he's living in mere Christianity. He's merely Christian. Time out. Probably his most famous book that he's ever written is Mere Christianity. The reformers say mere Christianity 
in this way. They were like bumper stickers that were on buggies on the backs of horses and branded into horses and across churches. Here it is, merely Christian. Christ alone. Grace alone. Faith alone. Here at Redeemer, we say things like, we are about one thing, one thing, Jesus. We say things like, good news, not good advice. We say things like, experiencing Jesus with the Bible. We say things like, we're about gospel growth and people. We're about reaching and renewing as many people as possible in Waco with the gospel. We're about building your messy lives and relationships around Jesus and his salvation. Merely Christian is real Christianity. Back to screw tape. They, Christians, all have individual interests, of course. But the bond remains mere Christianity. What we want, if men and women become Christians at all, is to keep them in a state of mind I call Christianity and. You know, Christianity and the crisis. Christian, this is his words, not mine. Christianity and new psychology. Christianity and social justice. Christianity and the new order. Today we'd say things like, what he means by new order, be things like Christianity and climate change. I'm not trying to be political, I'm just stating reality. Christianity and equity, right? Those are new orders. He goes on, this is back to to C.S. Lewis, Christianity and faith healing, Christianity and vegetarianism. No, we'd say things like Christianity and God's way to bake bread. That's what we would say. Christianity and spelling reform, that's his words. Today we'd say Christianity and educational reform, Christianity and homeschooling, Christianity and what is it? If they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Substitute for the faith itself some fashion with a Christian coloring. Work on the horror of the same old thing. The horror of the same old thing is one of the most valuable passions we have produced in the human heart. This is Wormwood. The game is to have them all running about with fire extinguishers when they're in the middle of a flood. The game, in our lingo, is to take a squirt gun to a gunfight. Christianity and. The game is Jesus plus. The game is Christianity and. The game is to forsake mere Christianity. He ends with this stunning observation about Christianity and those of us that get caught up in Christianity and this is what happens to us. This is the stunning observation. When this happens, we have trained them to think of the future as a promised land which favored heroes attain. Oh, may I say it this way? We have trained them to think their little saviors saving the world in their manic utopias. Jeff, why are you doing this? Christ alone. Christ alone. 
When Redeemer became an official church, this was like 20 years ago. We'd been around, I think, 20, I think I came here 22 years ago, two years of being mission, and then we became an official church. So you move from like a church plant to an official church, okay? When that happened, Dr. Hannah, my, my spiritual mentor, history expert, church history expert, preached at that service. It was a special service. So what did, what did my spiritual hero say to me, you know, this like eager beaver? I'm, I'm saving the world, man. I'm freaking saving Waco. What did he say to, say to me and what did he say to this first group that was gathering that was just kind of getting a grasp of this gospel vision? What kind of words did he speak? What kind of message was it that he had for all of us? <laughs> oh, my word. Even today, I chuckle at the words because it was like there's this, this enthusiasm and this, this like incredible passion, and he just went, pop. Here it is. You ready? Every Christian church and every Christian institution eventually forsakes the gospel and therefore becomes irrelevant. I hope Redeemer lasts at least for a little while. Are you ready for the horror of the same old thing? Are you ready for the present power of mere Christianity? If you are, please stand for the hearing of God's word. Um, I just realized I forgot to write this down on my notes, so I'm going to have to read out of the Bible. We'll see how this goes. Mark 4, 35 through 41. Or maybe I'll just read up there. Yeah, can I do that? That will actually be better for my, me. All right, so on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Time out. Why this kind of detail? This kind of detail, because most people are going to probably think this is like mythological story. This is historical detail. This is the kind of stuff that's not throwaway. It's just like he's just stating the facts. Mark's being a good historian. That's why you have this kind of detail. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Oh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would shine on the page. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit. You give clarity to our minds, realness to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Does God care? God, do you care that I'm perishing? Many of us are asking this right now, and some of you feel guilty for asking it. 
And so you never really say it out loud to God and you never really admit it to any other human, living, breathing person. And probably, possibly, you never even admit it to yourself. Others of you that don't feel guilty, you just plain feel angry. And you just plain feel pain. God, do you care that I'm perishing? How do you find answers to this gut-wrenching question, though? Seriously, how do you find answers to this? What's the answer? Does God care? God, do you care that I'm perishing, a loved one's perishing, my child's perishing, my spouse is perishing, my friend's perishing, my church is perishing? My city is perishing. How do you find answers to this gut-wrenching question? And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Okay, so what if I told you that Mark is telling us that these words are the first recorded words of the disciples? So we're four chapters into Mark and they haven't spoken yet. And these are the first words that they speak. So what does this mean? Why is that significant? The first recorded words of churched people. These are followers of Jesus. These are not unchurched people. These are not skeptics. These are not unbelieving people. These are believing people. These are Bible people. These are church-going people. Here's what it means, that the first recorded words of the disciples were not, God cares for me. God loves me. I believe, I believe, I have faith. Does God care? Mark wants you to know that the first recorded answer from followers of Jesus, churched people, is no, he doesn't care. And then when you open your Bible to the first page, the first page in the Bible, you see the same answer spoken besides a tree. No, he doesn't care. So let's eat the fruit. Mark wants you to know that these words, do you not care that we are perishing? He wants you to know that these are primal words. What primal words means is they're primitive words. Isn't that great? Well, what does that mean? It means they're ancient words. It means they're original words. It means they're words that go all the way back to the beginning. It means that they're words that are embedded in the roots of your being. It means they are words that are embedded in the roots of human nature. They're primal. Their first words. In other words, these words are a big deal. They're at the heart of the human heart. They're at the heart of real Christianity. They're at the heart of who God is. So, what is mere Christianity? Who are you, God? The answer is found in this question. Does 
God care? If you're asking this question this morning, if you're asking this question like you just got done asking it last night, and you're going to ask it again tomorrow, uh, and if you are feeling this question, does God care? Do you not care that I am perishing deep in your bones? The first thing you need to know is this. You are not alone. These are primal words. They go all the way back to the first human being. These are the first, these are the first recorded words that are broken inside of us. And they are in your very DNA. Second, you need to know that they're a big deal. They strike at the heart of Christianity. They strike at the heart of mere Christianity. They strike at the heart of whoever God is. So here's the deal. Ask the question. Ask it. Ask God, do you care? Ask Him. And pursue an answer. And don't stop till you get one. That's what Mark is saying. That's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is begging people to ask this question. The Bible is begging people to pursue an answer. The Bible is begging us to get courageous and go for it. Do you care, God? He's like, come on. And they woke him and they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Does God care? God, do you care? Do you care? Mark wants you to know that these are not only primal words. He wants you to know that they only need a storm in order to come out of you. These are primal words that are inside of you, and it just takes a storm to bring them out. Like the storm of a pandemic. Political, cultural, church chaos. Political, cultural, church bullies. Political, cultural, church abuse. Some of you wonder what I think. I think there's a lot of religious abuse going on. Like the storm of sin, right? Like the storm of shame. Like the storm of a guilt you just can't shake no matter how many counselors tell you it's okay. Like the storm of these deep feelings of just condemnation. Like, you know what condemnation is? It's the doom of your very being. It's like you are a nothing. And you feel that way before God, and you feel that way before other people, and you feel that way before yourself, and you feel that way before some law, new law, like the law of thinness, or the law of productivity, or the new law of wokeness. Like the storm of relationships, right? That will bring this out of you. Conflict, conflict, pain. Uh, the inability to love. Sometimes you come to this point that you realize, oh my word, I can't even love. I'm unable to love. 
or the inability to forgive. Does God care? God, do you care? Why does the storm bring this out of us, though? Why, does, why do storms bring this question that's deep in the bowels of our being out of us? Why? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Wait, wait. Why do we, why do we ask that question? Why does the storm of a pandemic and the storm of all the stuff we just mentioned... Why does this bring out this question of, do you care? The answer, because we're so afraid. Literally, in the original language, Jesus is saying this. Why are you losing heart? Why are you a coward? Why don't you have courage? Why aren't you standing strong, Jesus is saying. This is a phenomenal question, y'all. This is an absolute, this is a diagnostic question. This is the master surgeon of the human heart at work. Here's what's happening. A storm hits you. You ask, do you care, God, that I'm perishing? And Jesus helps you by locating the source of your fear. He helps us. By helping you identify your fear. Why are you so afraid? Well, I'm afraid of COVID, we say. I'm afraid of getting really sick. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of losing her. I'm afraid of being lonely. I'm afraid of being unloved. I'm afraid of losing control. I'm afraid of these powers that are beyond me swallowing me up politically, ideologically, culturally, in the home, at school, at work. I'm afraid of being condemned and judged and accused before God, before others, before myself, before the law of Thinness, wokeness, productivity. Hmm. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Does God care? God, do you care? Look at verse 37. And a great windstorm arose. Literally a great storm of wind. Uh, The locals today and the locals who were ancient called these kind of storms on the Sea of Galilee the shark. And the waves were breaking into the boat. The picture here is incredible. So the boat was already filling. Uh, It's highly personalized in the original language. Mark is personalizing the storm. It's like the storm's hands are grabbing the boat and pulling it down into the sea, pulling it down into the ocean. That's the picture here. It's breathtaking. But here's, so the boat was already filling. Then look at verse 38. But, I mean, verse 38 is incredible. But, but, he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. (laughs) Oh, my word. I just, 
I, last night, I was just, I, I don't know, I just got tickled by this whole thing. I just started thinking, I was trying to picture this whole thing, personalized storm, you know, this, and the disciples freaking out in the boat because you would freak out too. These are experienced fishermen. This is like a hurricane. This is a tornado on the water, and the boat's literally being pulled down into the sea. I mean, it's, if, if it's already filling, that means there's at least three feet of water, two, three feet of water in the boat. And then there's Jesus on a waterbed. <laughs> Completely asleep. I just can't get that picture out of my head. How? How can he be asleep? I'm afraid of COVID. COVID's here, but Jesus is asleep. Well, I, I'm afraid of losing her, losing him, of being lonely and unloved, but Jesus is asleep. I'm afraid of losing control, being swallowed up by powers that are beyond my control, but Jesus is asleep. I'm afraid of being condemned, of being on trial and measured 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But Jesus is asleep. I knew it. I knew it. God doesn't care. He's asleep. Did you know that the only place in the Bible we find Jesus asleep is during a storm. <laughs> Why? 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 It's not because he doesn't care. It's because he does care. What? What are you saying, Jeff? That sounds so strange. So weird, kind of creepy. Jesus is asleep in the storm. Jesus is asleep in your storm because he's the Lord of the storm. He's the Lord of the storm. He's at rest. He's at peace. He's not freaking out. He's not losing heart. He's not becoming a coward. He's not sinking into self. He's not even sinking into a storm. He's at rest. He's the Lord of your storm. Well, I'm afraid of COVID. I'm the Lord of the storm. I'm the Lord of COVID. I'm afraid of losing her. I'm the Lord of all losses. Well, I'm afraid of losing control. I'm the Lord of chaos. I'm the Lord of uncertainty. I'm the Lord of losing control. 
I'm afraid of being condemned, accused, judged, canceled. Lose my job. Lose my reputation. I'm the Lord of all hostile dark powers. Does God care? Jesus says to you right now, of course I do. <laughs> I'm the Lord of your storm. Why are you so afraid? But bad things still happen, you say. Oh, they do, don't they? Well, then I'm just not feeling your care. In fact, you, Jeff, I'm, I'm projecting that you're asking this question or someone's asking this question. In fact, you, Mark, the Bible, Jesus, I uh, just made it worse. What do you mean? Well, uh, if Jesus is the Lord of the storm, but the storms happen, how can he care because he doesn't do anything about them? Ooh, that's a great question. In fact, those that have struggled with the meaning of sin and evil and injustice from the history of the world have struggled with that very same question. Oh, this is breathtaking. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39. And he awoke. And he awoke. <laughs> and rebuked. Now Mark only uses that word. This word of rebuke. He only uses that word. So far and later after this, when Jesus is doing exorcisms, when Jesus is conquering dark powers, when Jesus is subduing dark powers, when Jesus is conquering dark demons, dark hostile powers. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Now the sea, you got to know what the sea is and the wind in the ancient world and in the biblical world and this is the place of the kraken. This is the place of the leviathan. This is the place called the watery grave. This is the place of sheer chaos. This is the place of the decreated. This is the place like in Pirates of the Caribbean where that ship comes from, of those people that are dead, but they're not dead. This is the place of the realm of the dead where all the dark powers are lords of the realm. Sin. Death, ultimate evil. And he said to the sea, quiet. In other words, shut up. Stop. Be still and stay still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. In other words, how can he care if he doesn't do anything about it? And Jesus answers, oh, I do do something about it. Oh, I did do something about it. I did work. I did act. I did show up. In other words, he ends the storm and he ends your storm. How? Here's what happens. Jesus is saying in this text, it's very clear that this text is pushing us forward to the ultimate end of the story in Mark, where on the cross, Jesus says, 
to all storms. All storms, your storm, quiet. Be still and stay still. And you say, like COVID says, let's say, what about the storm of COVID? On the cross, Jesus says to COVID, quiet, be still, and stay still. And you say, oh, what about you know, losing my loved one? And he says to your fear of loss, quiet, be still, and stay still. I'm the Lord of all losses. Take heart. I'm the Lord of COVID. Stop living in fear. And how about the other one? What about condemnation? He says, quiet, be still, and stay still. I'm the Lord of all condemnation. I'm the Lord of all hostile powers. So take courage. Live free. Does God care? Amen.